Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we discuss important topics through a biblical lens. Hey, just a reminder that you can find us on YouTube at Pastor Ben Dixon. When you're there, there's a playlist called Conversations with Ben Dixon. Uh, you can find everything you need there. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. And if you're trying to look for just the audio version of this, find us wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Well, as you can see, I am not Ben Dixon. My name is Josiah. I have been the man behind the camera for the last 30 or so episodes. Uh, so today the producer is revealed. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Ben took Northwest Church, the church where he serves as the lead pastor, through a talk on Israel, Hamas, and the end times. So what we wanted to do today is bring that to you. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Ben Dixon. A uh, couple things by way of housekeeping. Uh, number one, is I'm not going to be able to cover even close to what I would like to. Uh, that isn't to say that I'm a guru and I know everything about this issue. I don't. I know some things. But I just want you to, be under, to understand that. I, I will not be able to cover uh, as much as I would like. And what I do cover, I think, is important. You might have a different emphasis, right? You might think that there are some other things I should have brought up that were more important. And that's cool. And you're you. Amen. And I accept that. Um, my goal is, is not to cover everything. My goal is not to say everything specifically the right way. I'm, I just want to work this out and walk this out with our church. So my fundamental goal is to pastor something that I think is kind of spiraling right now. And we've been feeling that. And if you watch the news, you kind of feel that. If you're connected to young people on college campuses, you feel that. Um, if you're logged on to social media, you feel that. If you see the confusion in our young people, uh, you certainly feel that. And uh, it's just one of those issues that we, that we have to talk about. Also, it's near and dear to God's heart because it's all over, uh, all over the Word of God. And so my goal is to simply pastor through that. The other thing that I thought was really important is that there's a lot of misinformation right now um, to the point where I have good friends that have said things that are just not true. And I mean, they're not even kind of not true. They're just categor categorically false. And when I saw good, godly Christian people start saying things that I knew they did not know, it, it spoke to me of a narrative that started to capture their hearts and come out of their mouth. And you know, friends, when that happens, that is the kind of ideological warfare that Satan has mastered. He's good at that. Satan's not just interested in coming to our door on October 31st with horns and a costume. I mean, the church gets kind of wrapped up into the, the fear of that stuff. The reality is, is that our primary warfare is ideological. He's the prince of the power of the air. And when a narrative, a false narrative starts to take over and people that have no idea what they're talking about, good godly people begin to say things that they're not certain about, but it sounds right to their ears. You know, you know that these seeds need to die. They have got to die. And the only way that happens is the truth. That's the only way that it happens. So it's important to have these um, conversations. And I doubt we should have one. I think we should have 10, 15, 20. We've had these before. Uh, so I'm going to present some information. We'll look at scripture. Hopefully I'll target some myths at the end. I made lots of extra notes, you know, for a bonus round. And then uh, if we have time for questions, we will. But if we don't have time for Q&A, that isn't to say I could answer all the questions or even half of them, but it is to say that if we don't have time for Q&A, I want us to just kneel before God and pray. Um, and if that's not a normal posture for you, I pray that it would be tonight because that's the hour in which uh, that we're living. I believe, amen. So a couple quick things. You don't have any notes. I'm used to everybody having notes, so I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone. I do, I do have some notes um, on the screen. And so for a few moments, I want to talk to you about recent events regarding Israel, Palestine, and, um, and Hamas. And if I use words and you're like, don't say it that way, just chill. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
because it, I understand it's hard to properly say so, some things. So I'm going to do, uh, do my best to do that. But here's, here are some of the events that, uh, that have transpired that I'll, that I'll touch on tonight. Number one is uh, Hamas attacked Israel October 7, 2023. I'm sure we all know this. But here's what happened. October 7th, Hamas, which is the political military organization uh, that governs Gaza Strip, uh, they are considered a terrorist organization. I certainly agree with that. They launched a surprise attack on over 20 communities in Israel. On the same day, 6.30 in the morning is when they began. They used rockets, paragliders, boats, motorcycles, and other vehicles. 1,500 uh, Hamas terrorists infiltrated the Jewish state and murdered at least 1,200 people. The news was saying 1,400, but they backed that down because they've, uh, the, some of the unidentified people that made up 1,400, 1,500 were probably some of the, the terrorists that actually were killed. And so now they're saying 1,200. This included 30 Americans. They injured over 5,400 people, and they took 239 hostages with them into Gaza. So this is what happened. This attack was unprovoked. It was vicious. It was clearly a planned act of war. And as far as I can tell, uh, every report I've read so far says that it was planned for almost two years and in some cases, they, they're saying more. So it was a planned act of war. Hamas knew that Israel was going to respond. They're not dumb. This is not the first war. Uh, this is at least the fifth war, and that doesn't include just the back and forth that goes on all the time, okay? So they knew what was gonna happen, and that's exactly what did happen is point number two. Israel's prime minister wasted no time. Uh, Netanyahu, the next day, he declared war on Hamas, October 8, 2023. I'd like to make... A distinction here, I think it's really important. Hamas and Palestinian people are not one and the same. There are plenty of Palestinian people that uh, wouldn't, would, they don't like Hamas. Uh, they're under Hamas, but they certainly would not identify that way. So it's really important when we talk about the war that we're specific. The war is against Hamas. Israel is trying to move the Palestinian people out of the way as much as, as, much as they can. So Israel gave Palestinian civilians a few weeks to move out of North Gaza, and then they launched airstrikes. After a lot of airstrikes, Israel moved into ground attacks, which has not happened for a long time. So that's like a pretty massive deal. They're, they're, they are saying, and they are doing this, they're, they're moving in, and they're going to eradicate as much as they possibly can the forthcoming threat of Hamas. This means they're going to move from north down to south, and they're doing it uh, right now, which I'm sure you're aware of. According to the Palestinian Ministry of Health, uh, Hamas controlled Gaza. Um, in Hamas controlled Gaza, Isra uh, Israeli strikes have killed more than 11,000 people since the war broke out. They claim 4,500 were minors, 3,000 are women. Uh, just to be clear about this, this isn't my opinion, this is just a reality, is that the numbers are debated because of where they're coming from. So this is part of what's difficult for a lot of us is how many people have really died. We're not, uh, we're not so sure. So the evidence is, uh, even President Biden actually called that, into, called that into question. I think it was just uh, two weeks ago. So the Gaza death toll has been subject to debate. Regardless, there are thousands of people, uh, Palestinians that have died, either way, no matter how many that it is. Uh, the third thing that's important before we jump more into um, who, who we're talking about and then a biblical narrative is the worldwide response on, uh, to the attack on Israel and the war in Gaza has, has been kind of hard to understand. For the first couple days, it seemed like most people were very sympathetic to the lives that were murdered on October 7th. That quickly changed. That changed uh, in a short amount of time. Most media news outlets held on for as long as they could, but that w it didn't take long before Israel was basically being vilified for 50 plus years, 75 years of occupation and being an apartheid state and all the other words that I'm going to bring up tonight because I know you're just dying to know what all of this uh, means if you don't. Some of you do, some of you don't. But basically, um, there has been 120 countries that voted to call for a humanitarian truce. Only 14 countries voted against that. That means we're talking a, ce a ceasefire. In other words, there's this pressure from all the nations 
for Israel to cease fire, to stop what they're doing. And it's actually become such a large group of people that we have protests all over the world. The Muslim world has woken up, if you haven't known. It has woken up. And it's waking up our college uh, campuses, calling for a ceasefire, protests all over the world. Hashtag free Palestine is the most viral hashtag right now. So you can, you, if you go to social media, you don't even have to be on it for very long or even on it very much. And if, if you just scroll videos, that's what you're gonna find because it is the most viral hashtag that there, that there is. And, uh, and of course, we know that social media influencers will take this opportunity to say things. Um, AI is generating an incredible amount of these pictures. I don't have time to go into that, but I did preach on that a couple months ago where I talked about um, following Jesus in digital Babylon. So if you're actually not aware of AI, uh, gener generative AI, and you're not, you don't know any of that stuff, I just want to tell you, a lot of what you see on social media, because people are trying to gain followers and influence and using an algorithm, a lot of that stuff is generated AI. It, it's the truth. And so that, this is why when you go on there, You'll, you'll continue to hear the same narrative. It's not just that people linked up and all decided to say the same thing. Some of this stuff is actually digitally produced. So I won't go into that. We don't have time for it. Uh, but here's what is happening. Um, the Muslim world, the many countries that uh, are obviously gonna sympathize with Palestine because uh, Palestinians are Muslim, uh, they are getting more and more tense at this point and it's caused a lot of folks to consider whether or not war is going to happen. And, uh, and that's the right thing to be thinking, honestly, because we don't know. So this is what's gone on. The second part that I wanna talk about is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. How many of you have been to Israel? Okay, all right. Um, how many of you have been to uh, Palestinian zoned territories? Raise your hand. Okay, so like this would be like Bethlehem, uh, nobody's going into Gaza, but West Bank, I've been to the West Bank. I, I, you can't get, you're not going into Gaza, but uh, anyways, we drove by it. I drove by it once. Um, and while we were driving by it, we heard rockets. So that was the thing. But um, this has been going on for uh, a long time. I'm actually going to contend this has been going on since biblical times. I, I actually am going to go that far here in a moment. But who are the Jewish people? I'm sure most of us know, but let me go ahead and just back up and say, who are the Jewish people? Jews are the descendants of the Hebrew people in the Old Testament of our Bibles. Descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. God chose them as his people. He gave them the law. He gave them the temple, the sacrificial system, and the priesthood. And he did this ultimately, the Bible says, he set apart a people that were not great in any way, or in anyone's estimation. In fact, if God was gonna choose a great people, in my opinion, he probably should have chosen Egypt. They were far greater than any nation during those times. But he chose Israel because they were weak and he was going to display his power and ultimately bring forth the Messiah who we know as Jesus Christ. And he did do that. So this is what, uh, this is what we know about uh, the people of, of Israel or the Jewish people. God made a covenant with them I believe, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a replacement the theology, uh, I don't believe in replacement theology. I believe he made a perpetual covenant. In fact, in the New Testament, Israel and the church are, are, are never, in my view, are never spoken about synonymously. I actually believe they're spoken separately for a reason. So there are some that believe that the church today, it's called replacement theology, they believe that the church today actually inherits what uh, Israel was promised and now um, and has replaced them. And so everything now goes just to the church. I don't think that's heresy. I, I have a lot of friends that believe that. You're probably watching. I love you. God bless you. Some of you in the room probably believe that. That's okay. That's, that's not a bad theological position. It's not mine. Um, and I have reasons for it. Uh, I don't know that I'll get far into that tonight. Um, but the Jewish people um, are loved by God because he chose them for his purpose to implement his plan. That's why. That's why they're special in the Bible. That's why they're special to Christians all over the world. Why are Jews or the Jewish people special to us? 
because we want all Israel to be saved. I have the same sentiment in my heart that I read from the Apostle Paul, who longed for Israel to be saved. He said, oh, that my life would be blotted out or accursed, just like Moses said the same thing when he was on Mount Sinai with the Lord, that, that Israel might be saved. There's this sentiment in his heart that that would be the case. That isn't to dismiss any other nation, and it isn't to say that any other nation is, is not as meaningful to God. There is a purpose for Israel to be who they are because of what God has said. That's, that's what that's about. So we're told to pray for the Jewish people. We're told, we're, we are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are told to pray for the salvation of Israel. We are told in Romans chapter 11 that there has been a hardening in part for a time so that all the Gentiles can come in. And then it says, which my view would be that during or before the great tribulation happens, as Jesus is on his way, there's going to be a massive revival and an awakening of the Jewish people to which Jesus will come and then reveal himself, as it says there in Romans, starting in verse 25 of chapter 11. So these are the Jewish people. Who are the Palestinians? The people known as Palestinians today are displaced Arabs. And I want you to pay very close attention to this because this is very important. They are displaced Arabs from all kinds of Arab nations. Biblically, the Arab people are descendants of Ishmael, son of Abraham, through his servant Hagar. The land we refer to as Israel, Gaza, the West Bank today, was known as Palestine from A.D. 135 until 1947, but not until A.D. 135. And it's important to know this history. Before AD 135, this land was always known as the country of Israel. That's why all archaeological facts and findings point to this reality. It was always the country of Israel, the nation of Israel, or the region of Israel. Why was it renamed? Well, in AD 135, Roman emperor at that time overcame a Jewish revolt, and he renamed Israel uh, Palestina, It was a nod to the Philistines, the biblical enemy of the Jewish people. So today, the reason the region is called Palestine is because one of the Roman emperors, uh, as he overcame the Jewish revolt, wanted to uh, insult the Jewish people. And he did so by naming the entire region the enemies of Israel. And it has remained from 135 AD until essentially 1947. Most people don't Uh, don't know that. So Arabs and Jews born in the land after AD 135 were all known as Palestinians. If you were Jewish and you were born in that land, you were Palestinian because it was named that by the emperor. It didn't matter uh, your ethnicity. So to be clear, in all the history of humanity, there has never been a state called Palestine. It has never existed. That's That's never been the case. So therefore, this idea that Israel is a colonizer and an occupier is so far from the truth, it's hard to know where to start. It's honestly hard to know where to start when people make these claims. They're not an occupier. They were there 2,500 years before Islam even existed and 3,000 years before anyone ever called it Palestine. These are, these are facts. I, w- I wanna show you a picture. This is a really important picture, okay? In the Middle East, there are 22 Arab states, 49 Muslim states, and there's that little red dot right there, which we call the Jewish state. So I think before people make claims about who is what and what is happening, I think you need to take a real good look at this map. That green, that's all Muslim states. That's what you're looking at, 49 of them, declared governmentally Muslim states. 75, 80% of the Muslim world is moderate. Many of them complicit to some of the things that happen that that we're discussing, but moderate, maybe peaceful. They they don't want to get into war. They don't want to claim jihad, none of that. 20%, which is over 100 million, perhaps 200 million, hundreds of millions of Muslims are militant radicalized Muslims. This is part of the conversation you are not hearing in the news. They don't want to touch it. And the reason is because for years and years, we've talked about this word, Islamophobia. Now, 
I want to be friends with and am friends with people who are Muslims, 100%. But this word, Islamophobia, has been injected into our vocabulary for so long. Now we've hit a crucial moment and nobody wants to say anything about Islam. Nobody wants to say anything about Muslims. There is a radical Islamic agenda that we are talking about here. This war that's going on right now is far more than a natural war, and it's not just about borders. It's not just natural. And I said this to our church, and I'll say it again. According to Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul talks about principalities and powers, rulers of wickedness and, and darkness. Here's my belief. Whenever you see something happen, some hostility, some difficulty in the world, something, and it, and it, it grows into a people group. Like, it's not just you and your neighbor or your in-law, but it grows, right, into a thing. Like, there's a people group, and, and there's animosity and hostility, and it, this thing grows. And it doesn't make sense. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It, like, doesn't make sense. That's spiritual. That's why. It can't make sense. You start to feel it more than you can articulate it. You, you, you try to, you try to get your mind wrapped around why would this happen and why would they do that and why would this go? You start to kind of wrap, try to wrap your mind. You can't because it's spiritual. That's why. There's another element that you can't see. When Paul said principalities and powers, he talked about Satan as the, the prince of the power of the air. He's, he's saying what we do see, our battle is not against flesh and blood. What you see in flesh and blood, he's saying there's something attached to flesh and blood that we're warring against. Our war is not, the war in the world is not what you see. There's actually something animating what you do see. And we have to be aware of that. We have, to, we have to understand when something doesn't add up or make sense, perhaps it's because it's deeply, uh, deeply spiritual. And I just wanted you to see this picture because to me, when I look at that, this is, this is what we're fighting over. In fact, the Palestinian people were given a state. It's called Jordan. Many, many years ago, that's what they were given. That, that, that is, the, the, many Palestinian people uh, live there, uh, displaced Arabs. But these are, most of these, a lot of these are Arab countries. Arabs have countries. There's a lot of them. And there's a small state called, uh, called Israel, okay? And so uh, we have to understand, these are hostile towards Israel. They don't want Israel to be there. This has been as long as they've been around since 1948. All right, who is Hamas? I can see you want me to move on. Hamas is a terrorist organization comprised of Sunni Muslims. The name Hamas is an acronym which translates in English the Islamic resistance movement. In Arabic, it means strength or zeal, and in Hebrew, the name means violence. The goal of this organization is to utterly destroy Israel. And that's read very clearly in their ideological document, which I, pr which I printed today. I, I have it right here. If you don't have a copy, this was uh, written in 19, uh, 1988, and it has, I think it's 39 articles. I read them today. I made notes. I made notes because I had to make some notes to figure out what was, being, what was being said. And then there was an update here in 2017 to kind of soften what was, uh, what was being said. But let me go ahead and tell you what's on the preamble of this document. Uh, from Hamas. Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. Now, recently, uh, it's said that they took this out. I think it was about four weeks ago they took it out of their document, but we have the internet, so we know that didn't happen. Um, I, I, went, I went through this, and I just want to bring up some, some finer points in case you're not clear who Hamas is and what they believe. Uh, Article 8, jihad uh, is its path and death for the sake of Allah, uh, is the loftiest of wishes. Uh, Allah, uh, this, says, this goes into saying um, this movement goes back to the time of the birth of Islamic message, that's the sixth century, of the righteous ancestor for Allah is its target. The prophet Muhammad is its example in the Quran, is its constitution. They, they don't want democracy it's Sharia law. They, they want the Quran to, to, to be their governing document. So we can go on from there. Um, when Islam is absent from the arena, everything changes. In fact, they go into one of these articles, and I have it written down right here. Um, the land shall be Islam. This is the essence of the Islamic resistance movement. None shall be given up, is what they say. It's actually a real theme here. None shall be given up, the, the entire land. 
Have you guys heard the term from the river of to the sea, Palestine will be free? You wanna know where you get that from? It's actually written in here, 2017 update. I was shocked, I couldn't believe it. Occupier, apartheid state, it's all in here. You have Westerners repeating this stuff and they have no idea that they're actually repeating what is in the charter of Hamas, a terrorist organization. This is not my opinion. This is a terrorist organization that was outlawed as such by the UN. <laughs> and we have people all over the Western world today saying from the river to the sea, which is calling for the extinction of, uh, uh, of Israel's existence. Um, one of the articles I found was fascinating where they go into talking about how uh, Islam is the only way they have to be in charge and they're the only way that a people will be settled and peace can ever happen is when Islam is in charge. I encourage you to read this. That's what they believe. Now, I just wanna talk to you about that for a second. When you have an ideology like that, how do you talk to someone that believes that? How do you have peace when someone believes that? That's, that's not just me. Like I can say tonight, I am a Christian. I've been a Christian over 24 years. Some of you have been a Christian twice as long, but I've been a Christian for 24 years. Amen, no turning back, no turning back. I believe following Jesus is the only way, but I'm not coercing people towards following Jesus. Big difference, right? Do I believe that my religion, if you wanna call it that, is the best religion? Of course I do. Do I believe Jesus is the only way? Of course I do. Well, they clearly believe the opposite as they... As, as they follow the doctrines of Islam. My point is, is that they also believe that everyone else should, and they want to make it happen uh, through military means. All right, so enough of that. In the charter, they call Israel invaders, occupiers. They will never settle. There will be no peace. And this is why they've been offered peace five times and they will never, uh, they will never take it. It's not, going, it's not going to happen. And well-meaning people want that, right? We, uh, listen, who doesn't want peace? I want, do you want peace, right? The problem is, is that we get duped into believing that peace is an outward thing that we can achieve. It's not. In fact, the Bible teaches, in my view, that there will come a person who will be able to strike up a pseudo peace among the nations and cause a settling. And this person even may have the power to deceive the elect if it were possible. That's what I believe. And so this, this yearning, this longing for peace in our world uh, that doesn't come through Christ is going to be so strong. People are gonna want it so bad that they're gonna believe the person that seems to usher it in. And the Bible says that even, um, even the elect, if they could be deceived, would be. Hamas does not care about the Palestinian people. They are radical Islamic terrorists who hate Israel and others. And hear me, I'm not anti-Muslim. I'm not Islamophobia, uh, Islamophobic. I'm not that, and I'm not preaching that. We should love all people, amen. We should reach all people. We should understand what other people believe. I teach that. If you come to our church, you, you understand what I teach. However, I do think we need to identify radical Islamic ideology. And if you don't do that, you can't talk about this. You just can't. And that's why the news is gonna spin and spiral the, the way that it is, in, in my view. Again, you have a different opinion, you're you. Number four, the history of Hamas and Israel. Let me just run down this real quick and jump into the Bible. 1987, Hamas was founded as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. If you're not familiar with them, they come out of Egypt and most believe that they are the root source of terrorism, all right? So these guys win the badge. 1988, Hamas published their charter calling for destruction of Israel and to take the land. That's what I told you I have a copy of uh, right here. You can get it online anywhere. 1991, they had a military wing established. 1993, Hamas began suicide bombings in Israel prior to the Oslo Accords, which gave the Palestinian Authority autonomy and limited authority in Gaza and the West Bank. They didn't want that to happen. 1997, Hamas was designated as a terrorist organization by the U.S. and many other countries because of the use of explosives, rockets, suicide bombings, and kidnappings that were all aimed at Israel and usually backed by Iran. In 2000, there was a deadly uprising of Palestinians against Israel. In 2005, Israel evacuated all of their troops and settlers from Gaza and built a security fence. This, this is what people talk about when it comes to occupation. They actually took their own settlers out of there, forced them out, 
There were people, there were Jewish people living in Gaza. There's no Jewish people living in Gaza today, none. In fact, that, that map that I showed you in the Arab countries, you are not gonna find many Jewish people in any of those countries. But 20% of the population of Israel is Palestinian, by the way. Actually, on the Supreme Court of Israel, there's a Palestinian person. Some of their lawyers are Palestinian. Very different country, very different state of mind. In, so anyways, 2005, Israel evacuated and they built a fence. You know, you know why they built a fence? Because suicide bombers were just walking into public. That's why. This is why they police the borders. This is why they police the sea. This is why they police the air. Because the rockets fly, people walk over, they want to kill Israel. That's why. They live with that threat all the time. That's, that's the truth. If you've been to Israel, you've seen that. When we go into the West Bank, everybody that's Jewish gets off the bus. They cannot go. We went to Bethlehem. And I, I, I just remember talking to my wife as the... Jewish people had to get off the bus. And I said, we're, you know, we had some of our friends. We're just getting to know all these people, these lovely people. And they all had to get off the bus right before we went into the Palestinian uh, zone areas. <laughs> and there, that was the reason. They can't, they can't go in. So uh, th there's consequences both ways. 2006, Hamas won a surprise victory in Palestinian parliament elections and then seized full control. They actually were voted in, I think it's 75 to 80% of the Palestinian people voted Hamas in as the military and political organization that would lead them. And what they did after that is they took all of the billions of dollars that they were getting and they used that to build their tunnels underneath the Gaza Strip. This is what Israel is uncovering uh, right now. And they overthrew every loyalist to the president at that time. Most international communities cut off full aid at that time because they did not want to fund terrorism. Now, some of these same countries are speaking out as though they never did that back in 2006. It's, it's just history repeats itself. And then 2023, Hamas sent 1,500 terrorists into Israel to murder 1,200, injure 5,000, and kidnap 239. I heard the other day they released six elderly people. This was a sign of hope. This was a sign of hope that they were being generous. Um, I don't believe that. And uh, I believe this is evil. I believe this is evil. This is just a very light overview of history that's gone, that's gone on here. I'm not a historian on this, but I have friends that have lived there. Um, I talked to people extensively this week. I wish I could get them here, you know, it's so hard. <laughs> I would have even paid the, their way and the whole deal honorarium to get them here. I just couldn't, you know, but there are some people that I'm friends with and they are scholars in this area and they are so deeply grieved. They love the Palestinian people. They do love the Palestinian people, the, the, the innocent Palestinian people, but the, it's the militant ideology that is cause, has caused us for so many years, um, and it's tragic. What does the Bible say about the land? I only have a little bit left, um, and then we'll go to the phones, okay? You good? Everybody good? Okay. Uh, number one, the, the land belongs to God. Don't, don't check out on this part. It's very important. Um, to me, in my view, uh, this is the deed to the land, this is a really good deed to the land. I really encourage you to read it. Psalm 21.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Every square inch of the planet belongs to God. That's what the Bible teaches. The land of Israel and the whole earth. In scripture, God has allotted some lands and borders to various nations for his purposes. Look at Acts 17 and 26. It should be on the screen. From one man, this is Paul talking. He's at Athens right now. He's talking to a lot of philosophers, unbelievers, uh, Epicureans, Stoics. He's, he's trying to plead with them, knowing that they don't believe what he does. So he has to be, he has to come at things in a different way. He can't talk Christianese. He can't speak to them like they're Jewish. So he's sharing things with them by going back to creation, 
in the original account of what God did as the creator. And then he makes comments like this, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out, look at this, their appointed times in history and their boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of, it, any of them. This is a really interesting point. And what it means is, is that God has a plan from beginning to end. His desire, we know in Christ, is that all would name the name of Jesus Christ. It's, he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. This is God's desire for the human race. And so he has put things into motion. I mean, I'm not Calvinist, but he's, he's put things into motion. He has predetermined and preset certain boundaries and certain things to, to be the way that they are so that people would have the greatest opportunity to name Jesus Christ as Lord. He didn't coerce them, he didn't make them, but he made it such, the confines of our world is such so that the Jewish people, the Palestinians, Americans, and everybody in between would be able to name Christ as Lord. God did that, that's what God wants. This is what God is about. So he specifically called the land of Israel his inheritance several times in the Old Testament. Look at Leviticus 25 and verse 23. He's saying to and through Moses, the land shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me. He said this many times. The point was, is that Israel did not walk in the ways of the Lord as God had told him to. So don't sell off the land and God looked through the corridor of time knowing that they were going to be exiled more than once and they were gonna lose the inheritance that God had allotted to them. And he's saying to them, as you come back into possession of what I originally gave you, do not sell off this land. This land is mine. This wasn't about Israel. It was about God's purpose. That's a very important thing for us to understand. It wasn't just about Israel. It's not just I, some for you and Scott, you can have a little bit of land and federal way and you can have a little bit of land over here. It, had, it was a purpose that God designated from, from the beginning. And it will culminate in the time where Jesus returns. Some of this, we won't even fully understand until that day comes. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, Moses said this, the eyes of the Lord will continually be on this land. This land, that's why we call it the Holy Land. That's why 47, 48 of us, we're gonna go in February. We're not going anymore. We're hoping to go in 2025. But we're, the reason we wanna walk the land the archaeology alone is, is mesmerizing. It's, it's fantastic to walk in the places where all of this originated. The title deed to the land of Israel is the Bible and it's reliable. Number two, God gave the land to Abraham and his descendants. Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham out of Mesopotamia and he said, go to a land that I will show you. In Genesis 12, 6, it says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of, of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. To your offspring, I will give you this land. We knew the land, uh, the name Canaan is the name that it had then. God promised Abraham the land. He reiterated that promise many times throughout the Bible. The question is, who are the descendants of Abraham? He has lots of descendants, doesn't he? Abraham had a son named Ishmael, and those are the Arab people. And there's 465 million of those people here today. Those are the descendants of Abraham. But he had a son named Isaac, and Isaac gave birth to Israel. Those are 16 million people. That's the Jewish people. Both of them are his descendants. So who has a claim to the land if the Bible says his descendants? Well, God made it clear. He made it clear exactly who the descendants were going, were going to be that would receive the land. That was gonna be through Isaac and the Jewish people. Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn and the firstborn usually receives the inheritance. However, God chose differently and he did this as a pattern. He gave it to the second. He had a reason for doing this. There was a dispute between Sarah and Hagar in Genesis 21, the mom of Ishmael and the mom of Isaac. And God said to Abram in Genesis 21, 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman, that was Hagar. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
Did you see that? Through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a great nation because he is your offspring. It isn't to say that he wasn't going to make a great nation out of Ishmael, out of the Arab people. They're a beautiful people. And God said so. But he was saying, I'm going to reckon or this inheritance, this purpose that I've designated, that I've set apart, it's going to happen through Isaac. It's going to happen here and it's going to happen through uh, through them. In Romans chapter 9, Paul clarifies this very verse and says what I just said. He actually says that that reckoning is through, uh, is through Israel. So we need to understand God did not hate the uh, descendants of, of Ishmael. He loves them. He loves all of, all of us. The Arab peoples of the earth are beautiful. Both sons were great, but the land covenant that God promised to Abraham continued through Isaac. Why am I, why am I bringing this up? Because there's a lot of dispute over who should be in the land. And, uh, and people will point to different periods of history. The problem with all of that is that we already have the title deed right here. And we also have the history of the Jewish people being in that land. It's very clear. So to continue with the biblical narrative, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. God changed Jacob's name to Israel and through him brought forth the Jewish people. He set apart uh, them for his purposes in that land. The third thing I want to share with you, and then we'll just go to prayer. The land has historical and future significance. So why are we feeling what we're feeling? Why do Christians even care about this? Right? Why do they even think about this? Well, part of it is, as I've already told you, is because uh, depending upon your theological perspective, if you do have what some would call a dispensational theology or a covenant theology, somewhere in between theology, you just believe that the church has not taken place of the covenants and the promises that God has with Israel. If, if you're in that theological place, then you have something in your heart that I believe is a supernatural love for Israel. It does not give a pass to natural Israel. It does not mean that what secular or, or natural Israel does in every way that they do it and everything that they say and every decision that they make, it doesn't mean that it's right and it doesn't mean that the Christians sh should support it. In fact, I would tell you sometimes Christians don't understand this point. And it kind of bothers me when people will say, well, I stand with Israel. And they have to be a little more nuanced than that. Because if you say, I stand with Israel, my question is, what decision of Israel? What part of Israel? We can't say blindly everything Israel does is right. That's not true. So what I say is I support Israel, the promises of God, the principles in his word, and I pray for Israel. 100% I pray for Israel. I pray that they're all saved. I pray that Jesus, their Messiah, is revealed. I pray that God would protect them. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I have a supernatural love for the Jewish people that does not disclude anybody in any nation of, of the earth. But the problem is, is that sometimes Christians can be, we can be blind by saying, I stand with Israel and they can make a lot, natural Israel can make a lot of terrible decisions and cause people to suffer. And they have done that. Now, the flip side of that is that Israel has also been um, one of the most oppressed people groups on the face of the earth. And this is a very spiritual thing. And so that I'm just saying as a Christian, you don't have to take this part of my, uh, <laughs> you don't have to take this on if you don't want to, but my perspective is that we need to hold that tension, supernatural love for Israel, protect, give peace, reveal Jesus, all of that. But then at the same time, we need to have the tension over any people making bad decisions and sinning and not acting as though they're perfect and they're making all the right decisions in this entire... It is possible that in this war, they're not making all the right decisions. It is possible that they're going beyond where they should go. It is possible. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I'm not over there. But some of my friends that are over in those areas are saying that some of this is not good because we know vengeance is not always, his mind says the Lord, you have to be careful. And so I have no hatred for Palestinian people. So I, I carry, I don't know about, if you're an intercessor, you carry the tension, you have to, you have to, because we have a gospel ethic and that gospel ethic says all to be saved. So you can have a supernatural love for Israel and the Jewish people 
And you can also have a tension with the gospel ethic where you want everyone to be saved. And we want to carry that as best we can. I, I do so imperfectly, but we want to. So here, here's the last part is the, the land has historical and future significance. We've already read a little bit about its historical significance, but it tells of the future. Now, in my view, I've already taught this. If you're interested in the teachings, I don't want to reteach them. I'll just point, point you in those directions. I've talked about eschatology before. I gave uh, my view on the Olivet Discourse in uh, Luke chapter 21. And I would love for you to revisit that now. Maybe it's more, of more interest to you at this point. Like, wow, I should <laughs> maybe listen to that. Yeah, I put like 25 hours into each message. You go knock yourself out. Um, I, so my view, my view is, is that Christians, um, however it pans out, I don't believe in a pre-trib rapture. I, I do, I've already talked to you about this, you know, so don't leave the church over this one, right? This is an in-house discussion. But uh, somehow, someway, I believe the church is gonna be here up until the end. I believe we're gonna be up until Jesus returns. That's my view. You don't have to agree with me on that. We can both still go to heaven uh, and disagree with this. Uh, but I am a pre premillennialist. So Jesus is gonna come and reveal himself and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. I believe that's gonna happen uh, according to the book of Revelation towards the end. And uh, how's that gonna pan out? No idea. What's that gonna look like? I haven't been there, I have no clue. I don't know. That's, I have a lot of questions about the millennial kingdom. <laughs> you say, Pastor Ben, what do you not get, the millennial kingdom? I don't know how that's gonna work. You know, and I wish it were just like, doo -doo -doo, it's all over and heaven, it's, it's gone. You know, but <laughs> I've looked at everybody's perspective, it's a difficult one. So um, the Olivet Discourse to me talks about an unfolding of events, wars and rumors of wars. I don't actually think that's just the end. I, I personally believe that it was an unfolding of human history. I think when Jesus said wars, rumors of wars, plagues, pestilences, I think when he said that, what he was talking about is, is, a, is an unfolding of human history. And this was gonna go for a period of time, but he says, but that's not the end. That's what he says, that's not the end. These are but birth pangs. And so the church is supposed to be a people that can feel the birth pains. We, the times, the signs and the times, we're, we're not numb. That's why it's wait and watch, watch and wait. We're a people, a, a people of intercession. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And if you read the parable, what he's talking about is a people crying out for justice on the earth. He's literally talking about, um, he's talking about the widow that was seeking justice. And he says at the end of it, verse eight, will the son of man in his coming find faith on the earth? Will he find his church praying, crying out for justice? Will they be in that posture or will they just be asleep and numb and callous? That's, that's what Jesus was, uh, was talking about. So I think human history is going to unfold. I think there's gonna be a seven year great tribulation period of time, seven year period of time. I think the armies are gonna surround Israel. Luke chapter 21, Jesus actually says to pay attention when the armies surround Israel. So why do Christians get a little, what's going on right now? Because it looks kinda bad. <laughs> it looks like Iran could do anything at any time. It looks like Russia keeps throwing their cards in on pretty much everything. You have leaders today that want worldwide domination and they're scarier, it seems like, even in their subtleties than some of the leaders that we've seen before. Am I, am I the only one that thinks this? All right. So from China to North Korea to Iran to many of the other complicit, seemingly moderate countries, which I think Turkey is really starting to poke its head up. My friend was a missionary in Turkey for 16 years. All the missionaries that Turkey could identify, they booted them over, ever since COVID. They booted, they kicked them all out. My friend was going back on furlough. He was gonna speak at our church and he got flagged at the airport. After 15, 16 years, he got flagged as a national threat to security. They sent him back to his apartment and they told him that he had 90 days to get out of the country or to go to jail. That was it, just like that, just like that. So Turkey's becoming a massive player. Now, I'm not here to talk about geopolitics. I'm not here to talk about how nations are gonna rise. But what I am saying is if we're living a casual Christian life, today's the day to stop. Today's the day to stop. Today's the day to stop. Just, man, I, I just wanna have my vacations. 
I just want to, some of us, you know, I just want to live to see my grandkids have fun and joy and all this. I want, you want your grandkids to see Jesus, amen? You got to, we got to stop doing this thing here. Just lulling us to sleep. The enemy would just entertain us if he can. Just, we're watching the crypto market more than we are the signs of the times. It's just not okay. And so I hope that you're not provoked with fear, but I pray that you begin to watch and pray. I do. I have heard the Lord say explicitly to me, your job, your role is not to control anybody. It is to prepare people for Jesus. I have heard him say that to me. And as a pastor, I am no better than any of you. I'm a brother in the Lord, but I just wanna say, I do have the privilege of probably talking to a lot more people than most. And I would tell you that when it comes to where the American church is at, we should be concerned and we should be praying. God, wake us up. Wake us up not to be afraid, not to be scared of what's going on, but to be about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That we talk about evangelism and we all go like this. We talk about discipleship and we're raring to go. We stop talking about how afraid we are to live publicly for Christ. We talk about how excited we are that we have another day to give him glory. We've got to stop going backwards and start moving forwards. Now that was a free preach. I'm going to get off my box here. (laughs) Revelation says Jesus will return to the new Jerusalem and he will set up his kingdom. It started in that land. It will end in that land. We are right to be sober about what is happening. We are 100% right to be. Now, if you're a person that enjoys end times conversations, you love it, you long for it, you like to talk about the nuances of it, the details of it. Listen, I love that you love the Bible. I want you to love the Bible. You know, I want you to love the Bible. But don't get bound up in the details that you, can't, you cannot know. Get wrapped up in the things that you must know, that you can know. That's the most... The disciples, even before Jesus ascended, they wanted to know. (laughs) They wanted to know. I would have wanted to know. Is it now that you're going to come into your kingdom? What they were really asking, is it now that we're going to take our place right next to you? That's what they wanted to know. So they asked him that question, and Jesus said, it's not for you to know, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, Western Washington. That's God how we need it. God how we need it. Something is happening. Something painful is going on. Something difficult is upon us. The Middle East is in turmoil. Our hearts should be like this. They should be like this, okay? We have a supernatural love for the Jewish people. I believe God gives us that. But we also have a real tension and a love for the Palestinian people and the Arab world. I do. I just do. And somehow we got to walk this out together. Somehow we got to walk this out together and pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of people are praying right now, and I want to lead towards that if we can. If we can go to the prayer slides. I just want to just have a few minutes left. There's a lot of prayers that you can pray. There's a lot of organizations that are putting a prayer list together. I think it's the right thing to do. I would also tell you that you have ears to hear prophetically. And every now and again, when I'm praying with believers from our church, something special happens as we intercede, like a prayer that gets prayed. In fact, George, uh, you sent me a message the other night. Thank you for sending that. You, You sent a couple of those. Very prophetic, very profound I hear the Spirit in our community talking to us about how to take up intercession. It's very powerful. So I don't want to just have formulas and stuff, but these are some things that I think we should be praying, and I would encourage you to pray them often as your heart begins to, uh, begins to churn for what's happening. Pray for all the families who have lost loved ones. Can you imagine all the people that have lost loved ones? Both sides, lots, lots of people. They... Uh, Pray for all the Christians in Israel and Gaza. Um, There are churches in Gaza, by the way. Um, I'm a friend of a friend who uh, had to stop doing his church services because they had to move south. They were more in the north and they were conducting church service. Now they only had 12 people coming to their church. But to them, that was breakthrough. That was breakthrough. 
And they had to stop that because they had to travel, they had to travel south. And so this could be, an, what if uh, their dispersion could be an opportunity to walk these painful roads and talk about Christ? I don't want pain for these people, I don't. But what if God is gonna do something in the midst of it? We can't change what's happening, but maybe we can pray for God to open up doors in the midst of what is happening. Pray that God would protect innocent people from harm. We know the innocent suffer through war, right? That's who suffers the most, is the innocent people suffer through war. So we wanna pray for innocent people. Pray that God would reveal Jesus to all involved and draw more people to himself. Amen, that's the evangelistic prayer. Pray that the plans of the enemy through people would be canceled, right? Um, I talked to you guys, if you were here at our church, about politics. Um, my, my message was radical Christianity for political insanity. And I had Trump and Biden on the stage while I did it. You're still offended. It's fine if you're salty about it. <laughs> I didn't care. I was, it's awesome. But I had this vision where I've watched people that maybe are a little liberal and, and, and they hated Trump so much they couldn't pray for him. And then uh, they would be like, I'm center left. And then I watched people that were conservative. I'm biblically, morally, compassionately conservative. That's, that's where I'm at. Um, and I watched how when Biden became president, some people couldn't even pray for him. I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. Just uh, impugning his motives. That's a God thing. You can't do that. You, you, we don't know the heart of man. God knows, it says in the Bible. And so I remember it says, lift up holy hands and pray to God on behalf of all those that are in authority. If you can't follow the Bible, something fundamentally is wrong with your heart. It's just, that's food for thought there. But I had this vision. I had this vision where I was speaking to our congregation and I, had, I was gonna actually, I was trying to find it. Remember those big buttons that you could get at Staples? It was like a no button. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> so I tried to find like a big, I was gonna, I didn't have time to make one and I'm not that creative. So it would have looked dumb. I would have spray painted a cookie or something. I don't know <laughs> what I would have done. But I was gonna bring out a big red button and, and I was gonna talk to us about like, if you can't pray for the person because of where your mind is at, think about the hand that's on the button. When I say on the button, on the button, on a nuclear button, on, on, and I'm, talking, I'm using button metaphorically that can call troops to action, that can change laws, that can implement, implement opportunities for Christians. Like the, the, there's a hand on the button. If you don't pray for the per you better pray for the person that's got the hand on that button. And, uh, and that's what intercession is. Uh, the Bible says that the... Uh, the heart of the king is like, is like channels before the Lord. He can direct them as he wants. You, you guys believe that, right? I mean, God can, this is why great judgment comes to leaders. Leaders that occupy places, you'll see in the Old Testament, people talk about how God, uh, I've, I've preached this before, God doesn't give sickness. Um, he doesn't. God doesn't give people cancer. I don't believe that. Uh, but you'll use Old Testament examples. I've had people walk up with this example in Isaiah. Well, look, he gave so-and-so a sickness, a disease. And I said, yeah, that was a leader who was oppressing a people and God brought severe and swift judgment to them. He did that. He does do, those would be the exceptions. That's not like somebody giving your grandmother cancer. That's a really bad verse to use for that. And so God holds leaders very seriously accountable, very serious. Um, and so when we pray for all those that are in authority, we pray that they bow their knee to Jesus. We pray that their heart gets humbled. We pray that the enemy has nothing in them. We have to pray that. That's why Paul said that. He's, they got hands on buttons and they can press these things. It causes people to suffer untold things. And then... Um, Pray for those who have been driven out of their homes. I, I can't even imagine what it's like. Just think about all these Palestinians that are just trekking down south, not, not knowing what's gonna happen. And can I just tell you, like Christians need to really care about that. They need to really care about that. I mean, I know how we got here and, and I support Israel, but to not care about that is wrong. It's just not okay. These are people. These are people. And a lot of this happens through ideological ways, but we, 
we care. God save. God set free. God protect. God provide. Yeah, amen. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all her borders. And um, would you guys mind just praying with me tonight? Can we do that? Look, we've got like 130 of us, 40, 50, so I don't know. Some of you doubled over the last 30 minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of us. Can we get into groups and pray? Actually, I'd rather do that than like Q&A because I don't think I can answer anything that you're going to ask. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that is built as a city that is compact together to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord, an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for their thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our, our God, I will seek your good. Tonight, I want us to pray for um, all involved. Can we do that? Would you stand to your feet? Amen. I thought I was going to talk to you for like three hours, and, uh, and I didn't. Would you get it together in groups of, uh, and if you, listen, if you're not, if you don't like praying out loud with other people, here's what I'm, uh, and this is your time to go to the bathroom, apparently. Not saying that to you guys leaving. I love you guys. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be offensive. But um, even if you don't pray out loud, that's okay. Just you can be in a circle, okay? Lament. Lament. I've never been through war. Some of you have. We have veterans in the room. Some of you have been through war. I've never been through war. But I have friends that have lived in war-torn countries, and they know how to Lament. They feel it. They, they, they ask God to, to see and to feel and to walk in that place. And you, then you be like, Lord, would you supernaturally allow us to see what we haven't seen and to feel what we could not know and to pray in ways that we could only pray if the spirit of God was upon us. If that anointing came to intercede, would you give us that tonight? I may not know what that is like, but I do know what it's like to come under the anointing and intercede by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and to pray prophetic prayers. And so the, I would ask you tonight to open your heart up to the Lord. And even if you don't have a prayer to pray out loud, that's okay. Just ask the Lord to supernaturally touch your heart, to walk with this day every day, that it would be part of your prayer life and that God would use us as intercessors in the, day, in the days ahead. You came here because you cared about it or you were just interested to see what Pastor Ben would say. Either way, uh, let's leave with a supernatural love. Let's leave with a supernatural prayer in our heart that would be like a pilot light getting lit and wouldn't, it would not turn off. That's what I would ask for as we would gather in uh, groups of five, groups of four or five, okay? Amen, go ahead and do that right now. And we've, we're gonna leave these up and you guys can begin to pray and I'll close us here in about 15, 20 minutes. All right, if you're praying, keep praying. Um, I'm just going to close this in prayer and then release everybody to, uh, to do what you, what you need to do. But um, my, my heart is that, is that all would be saved. So I want to pray a prayer of salvation. Um, and let me encourage you to, um, that for, first of all, I know that everybody could be in different places, like theologically, when it comes to some of the eschat eschatological issues. Um, some of those, that's fine. Amen. That's, we've talked about this. It's, there are in-house discussions. Uh, but one thing is for sure, like wherever you land on some of the issues, like we have to have the right heart uh, in any time, let alone end times. You have to have the right heart, the heart for God's people. Um, and for those that don't know him to come to know him. And so if you just join your heart with mine as I close, I just want to pray that, um, that, that there would be a, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit and a call of salvation across this land, across that land, across this world. A revival would happen, a revival we've been asking for. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We come before you tonight, um, and we come with humble hearts. We, I don't presume to know what needs to happen in every circumstance. I certainly can't, um, I can't pray with any real 
uh, insight into things I haven't seen or places I haven't been, but I do pray, according to your word, that your spirit would be poured out in this time. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would send forth a revelation to the Muslim world. God, we pray it in Washington. We pray it in the United States of America. We pray it across Europe and Africa. Father, we pray in the Middle East, Lord, and Asia. We ask you, Lord, that there would be a revelation of Jesus Christ, visions and dreams. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And God, we ask that the church would be a bold witness in this hour. We would not shrink back in fear, but we would rise up. Lord, we ask for doors of favor to open where we could share the glorious gospel of Jesus. And we would move away from nonsense during these times, and we would go towards what makes sense, gospel sense, Lord. We, we ask that you would fill us with the Spirit and make us a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. God, I pray you'd open the door to the 1040 window that this wouldn't be a time to shrink back and be afraid to go. This would be a time to go. Open doors for us, Lord. Open doors. Thank you that America has become a place where the peoples of the earth are coming. And we ask, Lord, that you would make us stewards of this time and this season and this location. God, we ask that our hearts would burn with a holy desire to see men and women saved, set free, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. God, we pray for a revival to sweep across this land. We thank you, Lord. We pray, God, for all of those that name the name of Christ, that they would come up off their couch and be the witnesses you want them to be in this season of time. Father, we ask that you would set us apart and we would hear with our ears what the Spirit is doing in this time. Let us not miss it. Let us not be numb to it. Let us not be casual about it. Father, we thank you. Use your church, do what you desire. Your kingdom come, your will be done in the Middle East and every nation as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Share this with your friends and family, and we will see you soon.